Hey everybody, this is Petey from Spinnerack, and today I am going to do a video on two issues from the 1963 miniseries from Image Comic Books. Now, if any of you remember this, well, I've done we've done a couple of videos. I kind of did a video where I compiled all of the interviews I could to say what happened in this series. It's mostly interview with the kayfabe guys with um, Steve Bissett. Then there's a couple other videos where where um, we talked to the there was an interview with um, Jim Valentino who put this all together, who cajoled um, Steve Bissett and Steve Bissett cajoled Alan Moore and um, Rick Veitch. And then um, we also have some, I think Gabe Gibbons. I kind of left out the image guys because um, I think Rob Liefeld said that um, doesn't say that Jim Valentino got him. He says that um, Todd McFarlane got Alan Moore. So they kind of X out the competitiveness of the image guys. No knows, knows no bounds. So now this would seemingly be like trying to do Marvel from the 60s, but it's Alan Moore. So there's a little bit more spoof to this, right? So this, I think as comic fans, we're very hyped for this, but I think the kids, now this sold pretty decently, but not decent enough for the image guys, since there was no interest in doing the annual, and that sort of died out. But six issues have, came out. I have, um, I have five of them here. Um, three, were, oh no, I guess it's, you have, um, as I said, Steve Bissett drawing, you have Rick Veitch drawing, you have um, Dave Gibbons inking, we have Jim Valentino also drawing, we have um, Don Simpson, I think he does the the, the Captain America, what's his, his name is USA, he does that, um, obviously Alan Moore writes it, and what else, I, yeah, I said Don Simpson, right, so ultimately, when they came in, Cibaset said he wanted to do something like um, we do it like Marvel style, and with that kind of thrown together, they had Alan Moore decided we do like old style Marvel comic book, and everyone was jazzed about that. So it's a precursor to what we'd see in Supreme, precursor to what we'd see in Tom Strong, which I don't have a comic book of that, but really this series is the precursor to Supreme. So if you haven't read it. You should read it because everything that gets into this sort of multiverse stuff and every like that, it starts here and continues on. Because when the Tomorrow Syndicate go into the alternity, <laughs> they kind of experience all the different universes. And that's what the opening part of, um, of Supreme is. So I'm going to give you the first two, right? Book one, Mystery Incorporated. Book two, no one escapes the fury, right? So um, this is seemingly a classic, <clears throat> excuse me, FF type story. But Alan Moore is more of a DC guy, so they kind of do. These guys do their best. They really do a good Marvel sort of thing. But there's a little bit of DC and a lot of cynicism creeps in there. A lot of spoofing comes in here. But um, you know, it's a. Uh, they even try to do. The Mystery Incorporated is America's most exciting comic book. Um, you know, 
the what else? The, the image didn't have sort of those things. They had the corner boxes, you know, multiple things, a copy to read on here, like the Marvel books instead of one sort of clean sort of thing, right? And these kind of weird sort of phrasings that Alan Moore would do. The gold darn it. <laughs> There's a bunch of those in there. But um, uh, this to give you the name, we have Crystal Man, Planet, we have Neon Girl, and um, Kid Dynamo, right? I can't give you their real names because I'm not sure I'm going to get it wrong, right? And they're constantly trying to do this. It'd be funny if he had Say Less here. <laughs> but, um, and see, Shadow Line. So this is under the, um, under um, Jim Valentino, who drew the um, Johnny Beyond here. And it's like a classic FF story, like where they kind of have hijinks in, the, in their headquarters. And this is no different. We have... Um, the plant, we don't know who he is when we started it. It's this up, right? So he goes in there in a classic battle where he's similar to like the Superman movie where it kind of opens. We see this guy's durable, but then we start to see the crystal from like what happened before. Something we'd seen in Marvel Comics when Iceman would do his thing, but of course, he all break, comes to pieces, right? Some, some gags, sort of, these aren't as strong as the things gags. But trying to catch that feel, right? So one of the things, this is kind of the dry run for the series. It's not really what it would get to, but it's got kind of, I guess you can go nostalgia, but it's kind of doesn't have the bite. It's kind of like, the, as I always say, the 70s FF. So it's kind of like that. It's not really the, the, the um, challengers because challengers were men of action. Right, you see a kid dynamo fighting the classic thing versus human torch, and as always, someone finds a water pipe to put out the human torch. But this, as you see in some of these sort of things, kind of playing up the girl getting getting some light in this thing, but they're kind of similar to the UFOs because they had you know a gas a woman that turned into different types of gases, we had the sort of um. The X-ray guy, we had the vector guy, and um, ironclad. So it's kind of similar to that, right? So they stop him. Well, she stops him, and they hold him off, right? And we see them in the human personas. But at the same time, we see they all are human. So it's kind of taking that thing where we don't have the bite of the FF. These guys are just kind of um, fun heroes, kind of way we see the FF in our heads, that we want them to just be pretty much normal guys with powers. Where that's not what Stanley and Jack did. So, right, they show their origin, they go in, they go to this planet, they see these creatures, and then, of course, they get hit with these rays, and they turn into Mystery Incorporated. Right? I screwed it up. Yep, Mystery Incorporated. Right, and nothing's been the same ever since. Right, and we have these two kind of pining, no, these two kind of pining over, over the girl in the series. Regine, you got I think the other one is Biff. 
And um, so just kind of mixing up the things. This is that was Tommy Baker here. And um, but this trying to get a nod to the Lost Horizon. That's what can't be forgotten here, right? Because it says an astronaut, a physicist, um, this college, and two college whiz kids, right? So that's kind of the take they're going to do on this, right? And then, of course, in the headquarters, you have all these things. And this is more, FF doesn't really have that. That's more um, the Fortress of Solitude. So it's getting kind of DC in this type of area with the kind of um, big, well, it's not really, DC kind of kept all of the, um, what is it called? The World's Fair aspect. So everything's big, everything. So when you see like stuff like the, you know, the Fortress of Solitude, which came from, I think it's the Doc Savage, the Man of Bronze. That's kind of a, you know, World's Fair type of thing. So here, but this is the Marvel thing where they're reading the letters, actually reading the comic book from the thing. And then, here we got a, set, uh, a sequence that's like, um, oh man, what's that nutty movie where everyone goes backwards? Oh man, I should have had it written down. But right here, you can't really tell, and we might need a different storyteller to tell it, but he's going backwards here, right? So she tries to take him, but things that happen in such a way that counteract her power. So this character is escaping, right? But he, instead of going forward, like she's supposed to get up, but you see his word is going backwards. So he actually escapes, walks out of the the thing. So something's going on with time here, right? So they're trying to follow, they use what they can to follow this guy, right? They're following him and they see he's in here, but of course, and yeah, this is like, you can see their location, their locale is really kind of DC where they would really kind of give you, like I guess like Challenger's Mountain type of deal, right? Where the effort was really just in a building, right? But you see all these statues and such and this train where initially it doesn't really get, they don't really get into the FF kind of minimalism, but then this, all these defenses were put in by Crystal Man that's now being utilized on the characters, right? We see the Fury, who's going to be in the next one. They all getting attacked by their own um, place, right? It was a nod to everything that we've seen in Fantastic Four. And he has a line, there's a planet coming. He has something that's a little bit like Armin Zola they're fighting against. And they figure a way to stop this thing. Oh, Neon, Neon Queen, so... That's her name, all right? She turns into neon gas, but then Kid Dynamo goes ahead and he runs into this character. Hmm. Now, I know who this character is. I don't know if we're gonna get through all of these for me to find out who it is if you don't know. I wish I got these t-shirts at the time though. Maybe it's online, we'll see. All right. So he has this thing, of course, water is coming at him again. 
It's not that he's able to fight back. It's a nice little tussle. When he turns into electricity again, he gets put into this box. Now, the Marvel characters didn't turn into, well, no, I guess I already said first when the UFO turned into the gas, so that throws that out of water. And then this is cool right here. When, when he falls into the thing, this is not really, this is, I guess it's like the distortion area. So you can say this kind of, kind of like Jack Kirby. So, but this is sort of um, new wave stuff, but it's using old effects. So getting the idea that to turn into digits and into a computer. But the dialogue of this person isn't like the character itself. So it kind of reveals it's not who we think it is, right? And this see the alternate, alternate reality and seeing the different versions of themselves, right? And we see the Russian, that sort of thing. So they know where they have to go because they know where this character is going now. He's trying to figure it out. They get see what he did, seeing that he's messing with time, right? The planet's ready to go there. And of course, Going into the maybe machine, which is like, I guess it's, uh, what's that thing? The um, maybe machine is like the negative zone, right? So then we get these cool backup posters, Crystal Man, Neon Queen. That could be um, Alan Moore's wife, right? So. With the seeing this first one, these books were definitely done similar. Look, see, look out, there's a planet coming. Right, so that was the tagline they came up with. These books were definitely done like Marvel. So, since it was plot, art, script, um, Alan Moore would definitely be the um, Stan Lee of this. As the series went on, Steve Bissett said they were doing a lot of heavy lifting and kind of doing the, you know, doing the letter pages and stuff like that as editors. So, um, like many stories of, um, I guess, um, creator-owned stuff. No, not creator-owned, but um, collaboration. They were struggling to get their partner to work with them because he was doing Violator and Violator versus um, Batman. So let's get oh, get into this. I read this thing three million times. I think there's a smudge there because I loved it so much. Now this is getting to like the Spider-Man. Obviously we had a Fantastic Four here. We get into a Spider-Man type character, or Spider-Man and um, Daredevil. Uh, Kirby minimalism here, even though it was a Ditko type of thing. No, Ditko had um, the Missing Man, right? So the Missing Man type of stuff. And then you have a monster here. Going to the Atlas Monsters. Sometimes they would slip in some monsters. Not really in Spider-Man, but we'll see how this one goes. No, actually, they have some aliens in the early Spider-Mans, right? So here's a Steve set. <laughs> and this was ultimately to kind of fund his, um, what's that thing? Um, his his dinosaur story that he was doing that for um, Tundra, right? So... We had this cool shot. This is um, Solo, who's the um, Nick Fury of the series. And she's a part of um, Laser, the Law and Security Enforcement Reserve, right? 
and they're working together. He was on, the, we saw him on the truck and he's involved in helping them out. And obviously here's um, Solo. And then of course they get attacked, right? Try to free whatever this thing is. And the Fury's ready. He's this character that kind of like a Ditko slash, um, you know, what is it? Um, Mort Meskin type of character. Kind of, you can see multiple things of him, that sort of stuff. A character that's kind of in motion, right? Or simulated motion, right? And this is cool, right? To go from here to here. Steve Bissett, ultimately, I don't know why he didn't try to stick with the style, but it's not really the style for the time. So I don't know if there was be any big money in it, right? So he stops those guys. But it was actually this Voidoid guy who's behind it. And the things pass through him. But once he puts his helmet on and he can pick up a gun, and I cracked up. But this was so much fun. The fact that this guy has this thing. And this is sort of like how Spider-Man is. Even with this, this guy has the skill to kind of, you know, dodge bullets. Right? This is his sort of you figuring out his weak points. And he's still dodging. So he has to run away. So the classic, like Spider-Man running away, right? And while they're dealing with the that X in Cargo X, and see, this is what I'm talking about. Nothing. No one. This is like a decent amount of dialogue. A lot of dialogue for the quiet scenes because you don't need it to move fast, right? It's setting up everything that's going to happen here, building suspense to get to here, right? So here we go. Go back to the fight. He couldn't escape. And the Fury used one of his discs. And then we get to see this cool shot. And he comes back on. But he's able to grab more of his um, cool stuff. And he's about to take out um, the Fury. And we see this crazy monster that says he killed the dinosaurs. All right. And Voida gets knocked out. So the Fury, like Spider-Man, in over his head. And then Solo helps him out right before he's about to die. He's like, oh, well, I got to make a call. All right. So the nod to the Spider-Man stuff. He calls his mother. Right? Right? Yep, his mother. You hear his real name. You get a picture of who he was. He doesn't want to be an adventurer, but look at him. We send him to an early grave. While he's on the phone, the creatures are right to about to take him out. And of course, just like Spider-Man, he gets up just in the nick of time. Um, we see a flashback of what happened. How um, the Fury was sort of fighting some nutty. His father was a hero before that. And now he's become, it's like a legacy sort of thing. And of course, 
Wardoid's about to do his thing, and of course, the Fury comes out of nowhere, but it's set up. It's really nicely set up, right? Got an idea, takes him out. Um, so I think a lot of fans, us fans were excited about this, but um, the, um, the image guys were kind of not excited. They're more excited to get Animal Moore to do other things. So Voidoid turns into this person who could be like a Flash Thompson. But this is like, you know, same like Cosmic Spidey, doing a bunch of stuff, using stuff that he never used before, but it's like, it works for the story because it's just fun. And then he uses his thing to topple this creature. And for some reason, the creature can't swim. But explaining why this doesn't work and they capture it. And he takes some of the weapons to the scientists. And I think those two characters might lead into some of the other characters, maybe them, right? And then we see this weight on his shoulders, just like Spider-Man. Now that we've gotten through it, we only did 20 minutes, that's great. We're not gonna do another issue, but I have to prove to you that this isn't just quote unquote nostalgia. This book is a spoof and I'm not reading through all this stuff to figure that out. Nice pillup of Sky Solo, the lady from Laser. This pinup is incredible, right? And they said that we should have figured out some more money for these pinups. But here, look at this. An amazing invention. Magic art appropriator. Swipe any drawing in one minute. No talent, no lessons. You can draw professionally, make big money like an artist, even if you can't draw a straight line, right? So we have this thing that copies and somehow allows you to copy the whole thing. Now this is what was going on during the period that the image guys were getting called on swiping stuff. And <laughs> I don't know if they saw this, but somehow it still got printed. So the spoofs would be a little bit more, um, I think on the Hypernaut, it gets a little more evident, but um, cause the Hypernaut was one of my favorite characters and I should have done this here but I'm not gonna do this now. Nice 20 minutes, spin a rack out, and um, there's a nice cover by um, Alex Ross, so it kind of make the feel. I don't think they only appeared again in, um, in um, what's that character? Shadowhawk, but that's about it. Um, maybe we'll come back. Uh, I think you guys watched my other video, my compiled and, and um, interviews. So if you haven't, check it out. Spinner Rack out.